like to welcome everyone here uh, to this uh, Central Massachusetts Podiatry um, webinar on neuromas. Yes. And I, I'd like to, before we begin, I'd like to ask everyone just to mute your 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 mic if you could, except the doctors. And I'd like the doctors to kind of introduce themselves. Uh, Neil Feldman, Dr. Feldman, please. Hi, I'm Dr. Feldman. Thank you for joining us. And hey. Um, ben Savio, one of the docs in the practice. Hi, everybody. Sam Kellner, I'm a newer guy here. But... Cool. Uh, can everyone hear? Can everyone see? Everything is pretty straightforward. If there's any issues, you can send something in the chat if you'd like. Uh, and uh, I think we have about 25 or 26 people. Just so you guys know, we are recording this, um, but we're, we're trying not to show anyone's picture on it. So if there's any issues, you can send a, a message or, or something like that, okay? Um, so first of all, I'd like to welcome everyone. We, we, we've been having fun doing these webinars. We do one every couple of months or so. There was a really good uh, turnout for the other ones that we've done in the past. And today we're gonna be talking about neuromas. So it's kind of exciting to, to see those that are interested in this. And really the expert here, I'm gonna have Dr. Feldman. He's gonna start uh, talking about uh, neuromas, he's been doing it this longest and something that we see every day in the office. So go ahead, uh, Dr. Feldman. Thank you. So, yeah, so this is a um, <clears throat> sort of an artist's rendition of a, uh, of a neuroma, which is that large mass um, <laughs> in there. It doesn't really look like that in real life. But the reason I, I like this picture, it shows the, the very common location for neuromas, um, otherwise known as Morton's neuroma. Uh, it was named many, many years ago. I, I believe a Dr. Morton, but it's um, it's a nerve. It's a thickened nerve between the third and fourth toes. Um, Don, if you can just point to the third metatarsal head and the four, the base of the fourth toe, uh, the neuroma sits between those two bones, and it's underneath the ligament that connects the two bones together. And um, behind that or above that in the picture are two nerves that come together and they divide and innervate the toes. So the neuroma is a sensory nerve. It doesn't provide any um, movement, any muscles. It provides feedback to the brain. So if you touch between the toes, you feel and you sense. And the nerve can become um, compressed. So it's, um, it's a compression issue. It's not a tumor where Hey, Don, can you move to the next slide? Mm -hmm. uh, if anybody remembers the movie Kindergarten Cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the famous lines there, it's not a puma. It's not a puma. Um, but anything that ends in oma is considered a tumor, uh, an overgrowth of cells. And neuroma is nothing bad. It's really just an enlargement of a nerve. It's a, it's it's a thickened nerve. Um, and um, so it's... Um, the causes are really, it's, it's our own doing. And, um, you know, when we are young, our feet are growing and uh, shoes are, are out there. We wear shoes and sometimes our feet grow uh, larger than the shoes we wear. So our feet can't spread and the nerves that are supposed to have space in between the metatarsals and the toes, uh, they run out of space. And then when we're moving around, if that nerve becomes irritated, it becomes inflamed and then it continues to get irritated and it gets larger and larger. Um, kind of like if you bite your cheek when you're eating, then you're gonna bite it about five or six more times that same meal or the next day. Because once you irritate it, 
it just continues to become irritated. Uh, neuromas don't always hurt. In fact, many people actually have neuromas and have no idea they even have neuromas. Um, when they do hurt, they can cause burning, they can cause numbness in the toes, and oftentimes uh, the relief is just take your shoes off and rub your feet. Uh, they can get bigger uh, over time and they can become worse over time, and, um, and they can become very hard to treat when they become large enough uh, because there's only so much space between the bones and the foot and um, we can't exactly live barefoot in the, in the Northeast, um, at least not year round anyway. So a lot of times they do need to be treated. And um, you know, sometimes um, there is a time to treat these um, aggressively. Sometimes they need to be removed and sometimes there's, uh, there's times when we actually really, you shouldn't uh, remove an aroma or um, you have to be very careful because ultimately it is a nerve and nerves can be irritated and nerves can become chronically irritated. And I think, um, you know, there is a time to treat and there's a time to not treat. And I, and I hope um, we get a good sense of that um, through the um, uh, presentation today. Okay. Now we're going to have, uh, thank you, Dr. Feldman. Now we're going to have Dr. Saviot. He's going to talk a little bit about the different methods of imaging or looking at the neuroma. All right, so normally when somebody comes into our office, almost uh, kind of standard of care for us, pain in the foot, there's so many things up in the forefoot that can be similar to neuromas um, in terms of causing pain up in the forefoot. So usually we will get plain x-rays of the foot. The most valuable version of an x-ray for us is a, a weight-bearing x-ray where we're able to see what that what it looks like. Now, <clears throat> this is actually an x-ray from today. And this is the type of a foot that in the wrong shoe could certainly develop an aroma in terms of a wide, a very wide forefoot. And if you jam that into a shoe that's not made for that foot, there will be compression injuries. So the downside of an x-ray is a, a nerve, like an aroma, it, an issue with a nerve is going to not show up on x-ray because it's soft tissue and soft tissue doesn't really show up with much detail on an x-ray, but bones show up very well. Um, in terms of things that we might see from an x-ray, a wide forefoot would be indicative of um, potentially developing a neuroma in the, in the future. And maybe someone has some previous trauma in that area. Uh, metatarsal head or neck fractures can cause a, an entrapment in that space that makes it more likely that you develop a neuroma long-term. A better way to really, sorry, that's such a crappy slide. A better mm -hmm. way to really establish what we're looking for is to use an imaging modality that looks at soft tissue. So I, I threw this slide in just so you guys could see, just so you'll know what the anatomy looks like. Um, for both of the other type of imaging, we, we tend to use cross-sectional anatomy to see what what we're looking for. And in this case, this the, the image that Don's pointing to up there, that's what the metatarsals look like if you kind of take a foot like this and rotate it down this way and look at it straight on, that's where you would see potentially the, a neuroma in certain imaging. So our next slide will show us that an MRI is a good way to see soft tissue structures. You can see tendons and, and ligaments and capsule and bones and fat and all of these and tumors and, and nerves. Um, however, there's a couple disadvantages to these. One is they're not cheap. Uh, off a, a sort of a non-insured 
cost for an MRI is a couple thousand dollars. Um, in Europe, it's really hard to come by an MRI because they have a limited number, limited number of machines and cost more money. Uh, another issue for MRIs is their the slice thickness. So the smallest slices you can get on, a, on an MRI are around three millimeters. And the nerve there is not that big. So in this view, they happen to catch the nerve really well on that on the MRI. It's highlighted in red down below. They usually look like a, a barbell is the shape you're kind of looking for on an MRI there. Um, but in, in this case, they happen to catch the MRI. In the event that you have a, a smaller neuroma or you're looking at it in a different view, you might miss it entirely depending on where they give you the slices. Another issue is it's a non-weight-bearing image, so you won't necessarily see compression of the metatarsal heads when, when you're doing an image like this. And it's static. Um, a static image of the foot means it's not, a, not something that you can move around. It's just kind of frozen in time, and it's a, a capturing of that foot and those, that anatomy in that moment. Um, so it makes it a little bit different, not, not as useful. I, we still will get them from time to time for neuromas. Um, the better imaging modality, in my opinion, and the standard of care in, in Europe, in fact, is ultrasound examination. So on an ultrasound exam, we use sound waves. We shoot those through a little, a little handpiece into the tissue. Um, bone will show up as bright white because a lot of sound waves bounce back. Behind that bright white will be black. <clears throat> it's called an acoustic shadow. So most of the sound waves don't penetrate past that hard shell of the bone. But in between there, you're gonna see the soft tissue. Um, on the top of this image is the fatty tissue. Down below that at the next level is where you find the, the flexor tendons for the toes. And over where Don is pointing, um, you can see in between this, on this image, number three and number four are the metatarsal heads. Um, and this is from the bottom side of the foot. And as, we're, as they're going along here, they're compressing and then relaxing and compressing and relaxing. And the stuff that's moving in and out of that space is the, the Morton's neuroma. The, that plantar intermetatarsal nerve is translating in and out between those metatarsal heads. And when it's squished together and pushed downwards, you can really see why it hurts. You're walking on the nerve every time you step down on it. So advantages to this, it's cheap. It's dynamic, so we can watch it. You can get a really high-resolution image of this. I was actually really frustrated looking for imaging for this um, presentation because our ultrasound is so much better than most of the images on the internet. Ours, ours is a rocket ship compared to like the, you know, the fiats out there of the old ultrasound imaging devices. Um, and then also, if we want to intervene on this, we can do guidance, a guided injection at the same time under under ultrasound visualization. The downside to this, not everybody has it in the US. Sometimes insurances won't pay for certain providers to do it. Sometimes they want the radiologist to do it. Um, and then the other part is it's operator dependent. Some people are really good at using the ultrasound and they're very visual um, individuals and doctors in that way. And some people don't want to learn how to do it. They never got trained in it. They don't wanna learn the technique and they may not be as good at it or as adept with it. You know, for the four docs in our office, everybody's pretty darn good using that thing and visualizing those structures as we need to. Um, so that kind of covers the imaging. In terms of 
things we can do to get them better, they fall into a couple different categories, but I'm, I'm going to cover shoe modifications and orthotics. So with a really, even a, a, a normal forefoot, a nor, even a, a narrow forefoot can develop uh, an aroma. One of the main ways to treat them is to get your foot into a shoe that accommodates your foot appropriately. So rather than jamming your foot into a shoe that isn't gonna fit your foot shape, um, like a narrow toe box shoe that compresses those metatarsals together and forces that neuroma downwards, we wanna get you into a shoe that's wide enough to accommodate your foot and allow those metatarsals to spread out and try to get that intermetatarsal nerve to tuck back into that space so you're not walking on it. Um, the images here I picked are, there's a couple different things here. The, the imaging on the right shows you really a, a standard difference between a wide toe box and a narrow toe box. So a wide toe box, even for a narrow foot, can be something that someone needs if they have a, a lot of splay in their foot when they step down. Um, some people do totally fine in a narrow toe box. They never develop an aroma. Totally fine in that, in that shoe if that's the way their foot is shaped. Um, but one of the other things I wanted to show here is the difference between uh, a wide toe box and a wide shoe. If you kind of look at the heel of the shoe on, on each one of those um, widths that are there, you can see the, the heel width gets wider as well. There are some folks who have just a slightly wider forefoot and then they say, oh, I feel better in a wide shoe, like a double E or a triple E but then their heels popping out of it. They have an anatomic heel, but the way the shoe companies don't necessarily make anatomic shoes that fit feet all that well. So they have a, a wider forefoot and a narrow heel, and then they try to go for a wide shoe, and then they just walk right out of the stupid shoe. Um, so trying to find a, the right mix of anatomic, for, anatomic toe box up at the front part of the shoe, but narrow enough in the heel to keep you from sliding is something we aim for. And then along with that, onto the next slide there, Don, if we could. Oh, this I, I did just a just a quick analysis of these four shoes. There's sort of the the ones that are really good at this are the two on the left. You have a, a nice wide anatomic style toe box for both of those with a relatively narrow heel. The one in the on the second to the right is a, a shoe that has a, a more rounded toe box and a straight last so it goes pretty straight and it's got a lot a decent amount of room but is a little wider in the heel um, and then on the far right is a, a standard running shoe with a semi-curved last it's got a little bit of a hook to it to the side and it's definitely more narrow up at the forefoot than the other three and certainly the two on the left are are way better in terms of providing the appropriate spacing for almost every foot that's out there. And we'll go on to the next thing. Um, there is definitely a role for orthotics and some pads for neuromas. Um, but if you do not use these in the appropriate shoe, you're actually gonna make things worse. So we're with a, with a pad or an orthotic, we're trying to enhance you using that more anatomic shoe. And next slide there, Don couple different things in here. There was a, a real cool study about metatarsal pads and neuroma pads. That's that image on the top right about where they should go. But the overall aim is to put them just behind, so closer to the heel, 
just behind the metatarsal heads. And what that'll do is lift and separate those metatarsals. So you get a little more space in between there and try to tuck that intermetatarsal nerve into that anatomic space where it belongs. And there's easy ways to do it. We can make them out of felt like that one on the top left and use that as a trial. There's those blue guys in the middle. Those are um, off the shelf prefabricated ones that usually work pretty well. They, they hold up a little bit better and they're a little more mobile. So you can pick them up and replace them a few times. And down in the left is a custom orthotic that has that metatarsal pad built into it. So you don't have to swap it from shoe to shoe or get multiple versions of it and try to stick it in guests in multiple places. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. Um, we're going to uh, talk now about some of the non-surgical treatment. I just noticed there's one thing that we didn't mention as we were talking about this. Uh, Dr. Feldman alluded to it and, and Dr. Savia did as well. There's a there's a sign that we notice for if your neuroma is kind of, you even don't even need an ultrasound. It's where you, where you squeeze the foot. As you saw a lot of those views, it kind of pops in and out. And and when it clicks in there, there's a sign, it's called the, the Mulder sign. And that's a pretty common sign for us. If you come into a podiatrist and we squeeze your foot and we kind of push on that area and, and you have pain, a lot of times you, you don't even need the ultrasound. I think the ultrasound is beneficial. It's fun for us. It's maybe it's good for doing some of these non-surgical treatments, but a, a really good sign is that. And so you even might even feel it in your shoe. You could feel like a clicking or, or something else like that. I personally have a, a neuroma. And when it hurts me is when I'm at the airport. So basically those hard, hard surfaces like marble and granite. And then if I'm wearing like a dress shoe without any padding, that's when I find it. Basically a shoe, no padding and dress shoes tend to be a little bit tighter. And then if I'm on these hard surfaces, that's when mine kind of flares up. But, but for the most part, it's not a problem. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go over some of the other non-surgical options that... Um, that don't involve shoe gear. I, I think if you just get the right shoes and, and Dr. Feldman and I were talking about this before, this could all be avoided with a proper shoe. The problem is once it's inflamed, sometimes shoes aren't enough. Okay, so once it's inflamed, there are some different things that you can do to reduce inflammation. You can take uh, anti-inflammatories, you can do a contrast bath. These are uh, courtesy to Dr. Savitt. These are his photos. You can uh, ice it. You can ice it on the bottom. Now, how many times do I find with patients that they ice their foot and all their neuroma pain goes away? Not, not too common. Once it's really inflamed, you can try that. Um, but I, I don't find it works too well. One thing I want to mention, and we tend to mention this a lot to our patients, a lot of people that use anti-inflammatories, they might only use it for a, like when it hurts, like a day or at night or something else like that. Um, what, what we find though is to really reduce inflammation, you have to use it consistently over, over about a two week period. So if you're wanting to try everything before you come and see someone, you would do a course. And I like a leave personally, just because it's a twice a day dosing. I find with the, the motion or ibuprofen, you have to take it three times a day and, and no one ever remembers the third dose. So if you're going to do it for a period of time to leave, you know, twice a day, uh, um, morning and night for two weeks and, and see if that helps. Once again, if you have any stomach issues, you have to talk to your doctor and things like that. This isn't really medical care, it's just some suggestions for reducing the inflammation. Uh, here's kind of an example of, a, of a, a needle that's going in and kind of an ultrasound guided injection. Now, some of our patients, they do need cortisone injections. And as we saw with, uh, with Dr. Saviet, um, I wanna show you guys a picture. I wanna take off the sound here. But this is our this is our ultrasound machine here, and I, I just don't like this video because it shows that I'm losing my hair, and I think there was a bad angle when they took this. But besides that, it's okay. So what I'm doing here is I'm holding up the our the and showing kind of where the where the neuroma is between the inner spaces, 
And I just want to kind of show you if we do it with a with ultrasound guidance, it tends to work a little bit better. Basically, we can use less less of the uh, cortisone if, if we're doing that uh, right in that area. You can see it kind of popping up and down like Dr. Saviot showed. And then uh, as we inject it, you can actually see the needle uh, going in and it looks a little blue when we do it. So um, that's kind of an example. And you can put a lot less of the chemical or of the, the cortisone inside of there. And it kind of fills up as we're putting it in that area. So the other doctors, you guys can critique me later on. Oh, there it is, a little zoom on it. But uh, so those are, that's kind of one option would be doing a, uh, and that. And there's another type of an injection that we don't do this right now. We did it in the past a little bit, but it's um, called the alcohol sclerosing inject injection. Basically you take a, a, a mixture and you kind of, it almost kind of destroys the nerve when you put it in there. We did that for a little bit. We're not doing it currently, but I just wanted to be complete as to the different types of injections that can be that can be done for, for cortisone. So you may go to a doctor and they may recommend, a, it's called a sclerosing, an alcohol sclerosing injection that you can try for that. And then finally, there's a, a newer treatment. As you can tell, we, we kind of like this technology where they have the ultrasound and we have something uh, called shockwave. And um, I don't know, we can talk maybe amongst the doctors afterwards. I haven't really tried this on too many neuromas, but they do say there's some uh, effects for uh, treating uh, neuromas, we have, there's a radial and a focused shockwave. And if an area is really inflamed, just like other areas of the body, we typically use this for plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis. But when you, when you use the shockwave on that area, it can help your own body to repair itself. Now it's probably not going to reduce the size because once it's really, really big or kind of scarred around it, I don't know if scarring is the right word, but it's a little bit large. It's hard to make that go down, but to reduce the inflammation around this, this has been shown to, to get some good results. So your doctor may also recommend using a, a shockwave type of a treatment for that, or at least trying that. If, if someone, for example, they really don't want a cortisone injection, or maybe it's not indicated because you, you've already had multiple cortisone injections or something else like that. Uh, with cortisone, we, I tend not to, I don't do that many for, for neuromas, uh, and I wouldn't do more than like three a year, but usually you're not doing multiple ones uh, if the other doctors wanted to chime in with, with the cortisone. But uh, so that's, uh, those are some of the, the non-surgical treatments uh, for, the, for the neuroma. There's not really any uh, other, other ones that I, I know of, you know, besides those. Uh, I'm going to ask Dr. Kellner here to, to talk a little bit about the surgical treatment. Sure. <clears throat> All right. So uh, <clears throat> on the pictures here, we can see uh, the classic neuroma and its location. That'd be the Morton's neuroma. And on the right side is a, an image of what the actual surgery may look like, depending on what your procedure is. But uh, instead of looking at that bloody mess, we can look at the uh, <clears throat> next slide here and, you know, consider our surgical options um, with uh, any case, this should be kept as a last resort for uh, symptoms that don't respond um, to all the non-surgical options we just discussed. Um, on the left here, um, first thing I talk about is what's called a, a nerve decompression uh, procedure. Um, so if you look at where kind of that arrow is pointing, it's to the deep transverse metatarsal ligament, just a brief anatomy lesson here. Um, but that's kind of pointing up to those ligamentous structures that are going in between the metatarsal heads. Um, and you may have noticed in some of the images there that, that there was a ligament type structure overlying the uh, that bundle of neuroma. Um, so 
the goal with the nerve decompression is uh, releasing or incising that um, ligament um, in order to reduce tightness between the metatarsal heads. And this will allow for more real estate or, or space for the uh, neuroma to sit in that area. Because again, it's, it's irritation in between the metatarsal heads. So um, releasing that ligament can um, allow it to sit in a better place and not cause as much irritation. You can kind of consider this like a carpal tunnel surgery if you're, if you're familiar with that. Um, the thing here though, it doesn't involve actual, any actual removal of the neuroma itself, um, which could be good or bad depending on how you look at it because the neuroma is still there. So it's not a definitive procedure. Um, however, it is a procedure with a pretty high success rate and minimal downtime. Um, it also eliminates the risk of a, what's called a stump neuroma, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and in my opinion, this type of procedure should be done for smaller neuromas um, or, or less chronic symptoms, um, you know, depending on your history and uh, what the neuroma might look like on, on imaging. Um, so the other procedure here is just uh, excision or, or resection of, of the neuroma itself. Um, this is more definitive as you're actually taking the nerve, the affected nerve portion out. Um, however, again, we discussed that this is a, a sensory nerve that goes in between the toes. So there is the expectation that there will be permanent numbness between the toes. Um, however, this numbness is often much more tolerable uh, than having pain or some inability to walk because of the pain. Um, but again, here, the possibility of, of stump neuroma formation, uh, which may occur um, because the nerves do attempt to grow back and, and regenerate. They are capable of that to some extent. Um, and we find that this occurs in, in the literature, I, in my review, it's about 10 to 20% of cases. Um, and we can go to the next slide and we'll talk about stump neuroma just a little bit more. Um, so again, the picture on the right here, it's, we're showing when there's been a, a, a the axon is, is severed there. That's essentially what we're, we're doing with, with the neuroma surgery. Um, and then you see the sprouting that may occur as the nerve is trying to find where the uh, injury occurred and trying to grow back um, on itself. <clears throat> um, this occurs weeks or months after the initial surgery. Um, your symptoms would be similar or potentially even worse than the original neuroma, which certainly doesn't sound good. Um, this should still always be treated non-surgically at first. However, this might require a, a revisional surgery. Um, the revisional surgery uh, usually has a different approach. Um, you know, typically, you know, for typical excising of the neuroma, we go through the top of the foot and then for revision often through the bottom. Um, everyone does have different preferences there. But when you do go through the bottom of the foot, there is a little bit of a longer recovery period. Um, as that incision can take longer to heal and you have to stay off the foot until it does heal. Um, so overall, I mean, there are excellent procedural options. However, I definitely always say you should be exhausting all non-surgical options before you jump into any procedures like this. Uh, Dr. Kellner, what's the typical recovery time if someone's considering just a normal top of the foot neuroma removal? What do you tell patients? How long before they get back into normal shoes or things like that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, for me, the, the biggest thing is uh, having the skin incision to heal. Um, you know, there's always the potential of, you know, delayed incision healing or if a, a hematoma or formation of, of blood underneath the skin can occur and that can cause the wound to have a, a slow healing rate. So I, I encourage, you know, relative rest and elevation for the first two weeks um, so that it does heal. Uh, after that, getting into a appropriate fitting shoe and walking usually within the two to four week mark. Perfect. Good. Uh, we did have some questions that were sent uh, from those that are participating here. So I wanted to make sure we address those. And then should other people have um, questions, uh, just write them in the chat box. I'd prefer it if you could write them out. That way we can address them uh, during the course of the questions once we get through these ones that were sent before. Uh, so the first question here, um, this will be for Dr. Feldman. Um, I've been diagnosed with Morton's neuroma. I found that my foot pain is spread and my large toe also has pain. A podiatrist in Florida said that I might have neuropathy and I have burning and tingling to both feet. Can all this be connected? And I guess they have a, a neurology appointment and they've tried inserts that hurt them. So if you could, I don't know if you could address, it's kind of hard with this type of a question, but maybe you can do your best here, Dr. Feldman. Well, they're connected in that they're nerves, <laughs> but... Um... Morton's neuroma is a very isolated thing. It's, um, it's going to cause pain, burning, numbness between the third and fourth toes. Um, it won't spread. Um, that doesn't mean it can't change the way you walk. Um, so some people have um, a thickened and painful nerve on the outside part of their foot, so they don't put all the pressure on the outside part of the foot. So they have to shift the way that they walk. They might put more pressure in the big toe joint. Um, I absolutely... Um, would think if they have a neuroma and pain in the big toe joint, the shoes are um, probably have been a big problem for many, many years. Um, I'll just mention one thing about shoes and sort of getting older. I've, you know, I've been a podiatrist for 20 years. I, I've heard so many times from people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, ah, I've been a size 10 for 30 years. And I'll take the sock liner out of their shoe, put it on the floor, have them stand on it. And the shoe is probably three sizes too small. Um, your foot size should not stay the same over decades of your life. Your feet with gravity and just getting older and, and more standing, your feet should spread a little bit and shoes should be able to spread with it. Um, neuropathy is, is a, a nerve condition where you could have uh, different symptoms, whether it's numbness or burning. Uh, some neuropathy is painless, some is very painful. A lot of times it's um, connected to uh, spinal problems in the back. Sometimes it's connected with systemic conditions such as diabetes um, or prior uh, conditions such as alcoholism or some viruses can cause uh, nerve uh, numbness or nerve pain. Um, so it is important to follow up with the neurologist and they can do many tests. But a neuroma, specifically a neuroma, is from compression on a nerve and enlargement to a very specific nerve that causes a very specific set of symptoms. Thank you, Dr. Feldman. Um, I, I, we kind of addressed this. Can neuromas come back after surgery? Dr. Kellner talked about this. It, I don't, is there anything to prevent it? I, I don't know of anything. Do you guys know of anything to prevent a stump neuroma or recurrence? Yeah, there, there's a couple techniques that are a little more in the like nuanced world of like... Like burying when, it, I guess? Yeah, yeah you can, you can bury... There's some people who will kind of close the epineurial sheath around the nerve. There are some people who will use an absorbable stitch to bury it in a local intrinsic muscle. They all kind of, <laughs> they're a lot of effort, but none of them really get it to do 
and none of them, nobody's really shown me a study that proves that that's definitively better than one way or another. Um, I tend to pull it distally. So towards the tip of the toes for the non-surgeons and then cut it as far back as possible with a, a sharp instrument, not a pair of scissors. You use a, a sharp scalpel for it. And that tends to get it retra to retract into the vault, the plantar vault of the foot. And if it's back there, it usually doesn't stump neuroma, but we all, we all get them. Nobody, nobody likes them and we all get them from time to time. Yeah. Thanks, when man. you cut a nerve, anything can happen. And, um, you know, the key, like for me, and, and Sam was talking about the post-op course, is um, uh, my little technique is I cut the nerve, just like Dr. Savvy had said, and then I let the tourniquet down. And um, the body, uh, when you use a tourniquet, you want to be able to see what you're doing in the foot. So we use a tourniquet to stop the bleeding during the surgery. Um, and to me, it's important to let the tourniquet down before you close anything. Make sure the bleeding is, is subsided. Make sure it's not bleeding uh, when you close up the wound. So it's going to lessen the amount of um, pressure that builds up around the nerve, lessens the amount of scar tissue. And then I keep people in a walking group for three weeks before thinking about getting them back into shoes. Um, and, um, but I've had a couple stump neuromas over the 20 years. Um, and, and some of them come back. I've, uh, <laughs> I've seen nerves that have been removed and they come back um, just as big, if not larger. And, uh, it's very frustrating, um, obviously more frustrating for the patients, but it's, uh, it's really, it can be a very challenging condition. So um, as Dr. Kellner alluded to, it's just, you, you want to exhaust non-surgical uh, options if you can, um, but it's a quality of life thing. If you can't, um, if you can't live with quality of life because of a very painful nerve, then the surgery is successful. Those stump neuromas don't happen very often. They just can happen and people need to be aware that that is possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, does anyone have any experience with massage or reflexology to help with, with neuromas? I, I think massaging the foot can make it feel better. I, I'm not, I haven't heard of massage actually resolving a neuroma. Has anyone else? Nope. Nope. Okay. So you can, you can, I think you can try it once again, but I haven't seen it. Uh, could a person have multiple neuromas uh, through the foot? Uh, could there be multiple web spaces? Sam, you want to address that one? Uh, absolutely. And, uh, my answer is yes to that. I've seen a, a few instances of multiple neuromas. It's not super common, but, you know, again, it is a mechanical issue of tight metatarsal heads and not having enough anatomic space in the shoes we wear. So it certainly can happen in, uh, multiple locations. Um, I know in my residency training the past few years, I had a, probably a number of cases where, you know, at least two neuromas were removed from one foot. So certainly, yeah. They can happen. When I, um, wait, I'll just go back to that. So a neuroma in the third interspace is, is so obvious. It's like to us because we see them all the time and you can feel them and they make that click. It's very obvious diagnosis. When it's not in that third interspace, especially when it's between the second and third toes instead of the third and fourth, neuroma would be probably, um, the last diagnosis I would make. So I would rule out a whole bunch of other things before I actually diagnose the neuroma. But we have that ultrasound machine that really, um, you can see it. And so it allows us to really be very specific with um, identifying neuromas. The neuromas between the second and third toes are not nearly as large as the ones between the third and fourth toes. So um, 
you know, that picture that we saw at the very beginning, that cartoon that I, um, that I had up, um, they don't get that big. Uh, sometimes between the third and fourth toes, they actually can, but if it was between the um, second and third toes, it would be very small. It would be um, like if the nerve is supposed to be angel hair, it would be more like linguini. <laughs> <laughs> that thing in there is like penning. Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Feldman, if someone was asking, can you explain a little bit about the Mulder sign? I think you may, they might want to be known if they can do it themselves, but you know. It's, it's hard just because of positioning and how you bend over, but this picture is really good. So the nerve is under the ligament. And you stick your thumb underneath the foot and you're actually pushing the nerve up into the ligament so that when you squeeze the foot together and you squeeze the, um, the, the big toe joint and the small toe joint and you're squeezing but pushing up right in that spot, the nerve, it can't push up. So once you squeeze the metatarsals together enough, the nerve can't stay between the metatarsals so it pops down. And that click that we feel is the nerve actually popping down. The reason that decompression can work that Sam was talking about, if the nerve isn't too big, is when you cut the ligament and you squeeze the foot, the nerve can actually move up. So it's not stuck in that position. When you're walking and you're moving, the ground is here and your foot comes down and, and your heel comes up, that nerve is being pressed against the ligament. It really has nowhere to go. So that's why it's so important for those toes to be able to spread. Because if you're squeezing your toes together, you're really confining where that nerve can move. And it and it really can't go anywhere. So once it's inflamed and irritated, it's just, it's hard to do anything about it. Yeah, you know, one of, yeah, I think that made perfect sense. One of the things we didn't talk about, we recommend those sometimes in the office are correct toes that are toe spacers. And uh, I haven't really seen them cure neuroma, but you could try those. Yeah, I mean, my usual spiel with that is, you know, correct toes are great, but the shoes they work in are even better. So start with the shoes they work start with. Start with the shoes, they're cheaper, yeah. Right. the ones that uh, Dr. Savvy had showed, the uh, Ultra, the Topo. Um, yeah. It's not the only uh, We almost made it through the whole presentation without naming a company. We almost did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're not, we're not reimbursed. By, <laughs> we're just doing this for the fun of it. So um, someone asked a question, uh, uh, Ben, I'll have you take this one. I feel a bunch up sock, a bunch sock under my foot. Is that an aroma? And I actually think it's begun worse since wearing a wide-toed shoe. That's interesting. Um, so the that symptom of feeling like the sock is bunched up under the front part of the foot is kind of the way a lot of patients describe it. It's one of those like classic patient vignettes of, oh yeah, it hurts when I, it hurts when it feels like this. Um, I, I would encourage them to maybe try a different wide shoe depends on the shoe um sometimes that wide shoe causes other issues for example there's a almost all of those companies that make that anatomic toe box shoe um they have a, a lower heel drop so all of a sudden what felt pretty good for the neuroma maybe doesn't feel so good for the front part of your foot because you're accommodated and used to wearing a shoe that has a 10 or a 12 millimeter drop. Usually you accommodate to that, but it can take six to 12 months to get used to that foot to the drop on the heel. Um, the, if that's the case, if it doesn't get better with just the, the anatomic shoes alone, then that's where the neuroma pads and the orthotics really start to come into, into play. Then after that, that's when cortisone injections sort of come into my treatment algorithm where I'm like, all right, you're not getting better with, with the, the stuff that's 
non-invasive and taking the pressure off of the nerve. So maybe we need to help shrink that nerve a little bit with a, with an assist with a little cortisone or try a little bit of shockwave on there to get it better. Mm -hmm. There was a, a question as well. A person that's had neuromas for many years, they like softer shoes for running, probably for the cushion, but they need firmer soles for hiking and trail walking. For people that are really active and they want to do this hiking and, and walking, I, I think you gave some good advice with the orthotic. Anything else besides an orthotic or a metatarsal pad? Usually a boot failure. If it's a, a hiking thing, it's a boot failure. Um, there's a bunch of boots that are way too narrow. People wear extra thick socks when they go hiking or they wear their weatherproof socks and all of a sudden, and the, the shoes are not particularly flexible in the upper. So now they run into the issue of they're up against leather or vinyl and it doesn't stretch and there's not enough space for them. So um, several of those anatomic style shoe companies make hiking boots as well. Yep. that'll have a more anatomic forefoot. But there's a couple others out there that make anatomic style boots as well. Good. And we have a lot of questions on shoes here. I'm going to ask this to Dr. Feldman. I, I recently bought two pairs of uh, Ultra Torin 5s. They're wide, planning to return. The 11 and a half wide are much longer length, but the width feels great. The 11 wide fit better lengthwise, but they aren't as wide. Should I focus more on better width feel or length with an aroma? That's a good question. You want shoes that fit, but too long, you can start tripping over them and it might change the way that you walk because if your brain is used to a size 11 foot and you're wearing a size 12 shoe, you could trip over that. Um, I would actually change the laces up in the, in the shoe that fits the right length. If you, um, do we have any shoes that have the top laces? Um, yeah, so that one, so, you don't need to lace all of the lace loops. You could actually, so that's the altar right there with the wide toe box. You could start the lace loops the second up from the bottom and that'll actually give a little bit more spread to it. Um, you could use elastic laces. Uh, some people just tie the shoes too tight. Those are very soft shoes. The Torrens are great. It's a very soft shoe, very cushioned feel. Um, the Escalante is a, a type of um, ultra that actually fits a little wider than the Torin. So you might want to try the same size, but just with the Escalante rather than the Torin. Ultra can be funny. All shoes can be funny in, in the sense that in the same brand of shoe, whether it's a New Balance or Saucony or, or whatever it might be, you can have a size eight in different models, but they all fit a little differently. The volume in the shoe might be just subtly different. And it depends how your foot individually fits that shoe and your right foot and left foot might be a little different size too so there's um it's just the nuance and it's it's more of an art than a science and you know same thing with the hiking shoes whether it's stiff versus soft it's you just got to try and, and you got to try them on it's it's hard to order things online and and put them on your feet you know ultra probably has uh 20 different models of shoes um and they're all going to fit just slightly, slightly different, even though they're similar. Um, so you just got to go to a store and you have to try a bunch on and see which one feels the best. Yeah. But I, I would try changing the laces on a smaller shoe to answer that very specific question and see if that makes the difference. Good. Um, someone asked a question. I, I think this is a good one. Can an aroma cause swelling 
in, in that area. I don't typically see neuromas causing swelling. Usually that's more like a stress fracture or metatarsalgia or something else. Do you, do you guys see swelling caused by neuroma, just a straight neuroma? And so thin the foot is. And sometimes you can have a bursa with that too. So some people have really, really thin feet. Uh, and then if the, if the neuroma is big and there's a, a bursa, like a little pad or a sac that's uh, in there that's inflamed and it's really irritated, sometimes there's a fullness that you can see. Um, but they have to have a really thin foot. Cool. Um, and then Dr. Feldman, probably the last, I think this is the last question here. Uh, any recommendations? You had to get this a cycling shoe, okay? Uh, how to find a cycling shoe with a wide toe box if you have a neuroma? Spend a whole bunch of money for a custom <laughs> shoe. I'll be right Sorry. back. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, he's going to go get his. <laughs> it is, it is a, a journey. Those cycling shoes are made out of the, the, the synthetic leathers and leather and hard plastic and they're carbon fiber plates. And there are some that are better than others, but that is its own horrible, miserable journey in and of itself. Okay. Take, a, take, take the journey to find good shoes and then make it much harder because all the shoes are European you're not going to be able to go to a shoe and go to go to the shoe petting zoo, as they say, and try on a whole bunch of things because there's just not as many cycling shops around. And then eventually you just cave and you get a custom shoe that fits your your foot. Uh. <laughs> go ahead, Neil. You're going to show us yours. Did you bring yours out? Oh, I did. But so there is an uh, Italian company called Sidi, S-I-D-I, and they make... Um, several types of shoes with a, a mega so they're they're mega wide soles um i have a c i have a very wide foot and so i use the cd genius megas uh but there's several brands that they have that have the wider sole um specialized has some nicer um shoes that are wider but this is a um called rocket seven r7 and um when you spend enough money you actually get your name on the side or you can monogram it in any way this shoe weighs um Less than this can of um, seltzer. You're a weight weenie. <laughs> <laughs> own polar? Sorry. So this shoe is, um, it was casted to my foot. Um, and so it's, it's the exact width of my foot with a sock on. And it's, um, it's so light and it's, it's an incredible shoe, but it is a lot of money. Um, it's a $1,200 shoe. I biked an awful lot many years ago. And to me, it was worth it because my feet hurt a lot when I biked. So this eliminated all pain and it's a racing shoe. So it helped me race. The other thing you can do with bike shoes is you can see this cleat on the bottom. This is a, um, called a look uh, cleat and they make different styles of, um, of cleats that sometimes put less pressure on the ball of the foot. You can also move the cleat back a little bit the further back it goes, uh, you'll take a little bit of load off the ball of the foot and it'll improve uh, how much pressure is, is placed in the ball of the foot. It does take away a little power from your uh, pedal stroke. And the other thing you wanna do if you have pain in, um, in the ball of the foot from biking besides neuromas is you wanna make sure you get a, a bike fit, a proper bike fit from a skilled fitter. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Feldman. Well, I, I think we answered everyone's questions. I, I appreciate everyone for being here. Uh, I'll let you kind of close up, Dr. Feldman, for any parting words before we close. Um, no, thanks everybody for joining. Uh, if uh, there's anything anybody, thought, um, Ben or Sam wants to say or yourself, um, I, I like to talk, so I guess I take things over sometimes. But um, no, aromas are just one of those things. It's just, a, it's a thick nerve in the foot that can be super annoying. 
Um, you shouldn't have to live with it. They're very treatable. Um, and um, there's many, many options available. It's not one treatment uh, fits all. You could Google, you know, many different things, uh, many different treatments. Uh, there's even like neuroma centers that claim to do all these amazing things. If you spend a lot of money and, and yeah, you'll spend a lot of money, but in the end, it's just a thick nerve in the foot. And there's only so many things you can do about it. Yeah, I, I will say that in in my recent experience relative to residency training, a lot of these go away with the right shoes, the right orthotic modifications. I probably take out one every 18 months. Like they they are not all that common in our in our practice in terms of coming out because of all the other non-surgical stuff that we're able to accomplish. They still have to come out every once in a while. But in, in many ways, we do a lot of the non-surgical stuff that makes them resolve without a surgery, which is great. Okay, everyone. You guys have a great night. Thanks for joining. Good night. Thanks. Thank you, everybody. See you guys tomorrow. See you in the office.